When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, June 20th, and this is episode number 203. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. You can find him at Sloop Doggy Dog on Twitter. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Good, Rod. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Um, yeah, it's kind of a crazy, just kind of crazy weird weather day today here. I looked yeah. ominous all day, never really did anything. Um, yeah. Kind of got real cold later, and um, yeah, but uh, not a bad day, not complaining. So, how about you? Good, yeah. We had a nice weekend together, and um, you know, just coming home and getting caught up on a few things. Yeah, yeah. Our, uh, for the listeners, our, our nephew got married this weekend, so we got to hang out a bit, um, you know, with some family, and kind of spend some time together it's always nice so uh definitely definitely a good weekend for that so so yeah mm-hmm. very thankful for that so uh now um we're gonna we're gonna welcome our guest in jeff and we have we have nico from browns live with us um you can find him on twitter that's at now browns hey nico how's it going good man how you doing doing good doing good Thanks for joining us tonight. Yep, thank you. So, uh, so you have an account, uh, obviously on Twitter. You you have some people might be checking us out from Instagram too, right? I do, I do. So you want to plug that account as well? Sure. Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, pretty much the same as Twitter uh, at Browns Live, um, and I should be the first one to pop up. So, awesome, excellent. So uh, we. Uh, we are going to skip the Blitz Beverages section tonight, the uh, the segment. Okay. That's big news, but we're going to skip it tonight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, just thought I'd throw it out. So, so, so Nico, uh, something we do on this podcast is we let uh, we let first time uh, first time guests talk about their Browns fandom. So, just kind of your story. You know, how you became a Browns fan, um, you know, anything unique or, or, you know, just, uh, you know, favorite players, moments, anything you want to share with us. Um, the floor is yours and, and um, we just want to hear your story. Sure. So, you know, I've been a Browns fan since the day I was born. First day I came out of the hospital, you know, had Brown stuff on. Got to have it. Um, <laughs> been going to games my whole life. Uh, Setting upper deck, middle deck in the club is where I'm at now. Um, I try and go to every game I can go to that's at home. I'm looking to go to a away game here soon. Um, I started going to games, I believe it was around 2012, 2013, kind of when Brian Hoyer and Mike Pettin, um were at the rain here in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, you know, I've had a lot of fun moments at the game, going to the game, going downtown on game day on that Sunday, or if we're playing on primetime, that's, it's fun times, man. I mean, tailgating, going down there and, you know, hopefully seeing the Browns win. Um, couple good moments that I've had is, you know, the Tampa Bay game was an awesome game to watch um, this year. Uh, going back, there's a couple of memorable moments that weren't really field related, but, you know, in the stands, um, I'll go into one. I was at the Broncos game, and I believe it was 2015, Peyton Manning uh, with Brock Osweiler as the backup. We we're sitting up there, and Broncos fan had a little too many beers and took a little plummet down the stairs. So that was definitely a good moment. Um a lot of fun times at that stadium. So uh, I own a ton of memorabilia in my basement. I got a ton of autographed jerseys. I talk to players as much as possible. Um, trying to get some mini camp access next year. We're working on it. Trying. Um, but yeah. Cool. Cool stuff. Um, yeah. Definitely. Uh, 
Definitely diehard, huh? But that's yeah, cool. Yeah, I all try to games. be. Yeah, try to be. Yeah. So, um, so you've been going to games since uh, twelve or thirteen. So, so you you fall into this category where you haven't seen great football. A lot of great football. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, but but it's it's what you were brought into, right? Right. So, um, so and we'll get into this throughout the show, but um, you know, you, you've had a little bit of a taste of it here over the past few seasons. You know, right. some winning. Um, just kind of, just kind of interesting to get your to get your take. You know, on how on how you've how, how it's been different for you. You know, with the winning versus the, you know, what you've seen thus far. Yeah. You know, when we were losing, you know, back in 2013 and kind of off to, you know, 2017 towards the end of it after that 0-16 year, you know, it was kind of like you had hope for the upcoming season, but you didn't. You know, uh, after we started in 2018 when Baker Mayfield came in here um, and we started, you know, turning things around and we were, lo- we were looking good that year. Um, the vibe from everybody was just a lot bigger, especially for me. Like I started posting a lot more. That's when I started my account, my Instagram and Twitter accounts. Uh, was when the Browns started getting going because I could actually manage them at enough time. But it really just changed, you know, because winning's just such a different feeling that you never had before. Uh, other than in like 2007, I believe it was when they had Derek Anderson at the rain and went 10 and six. But mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean, it just felt like a different energy. You know, when they made that awesome touchdown play, Baker Mayfield threw it to Donovan Peoples-Jones with 11 seconds left to play off here. Like, when has that ever happened? Very rare, you know, to see a game-winning drive like that or something. It it honestly just changed. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah, it, it's interesting because you you went through several losing seasons, but you – you didn't go through a ton of it to where you have that ingrained in you that the Browns right. are always going to find a way to lose. I'm hoping you don't, you know, I'm thinking maybe you're not um, that type of fan because, and, and I'm not criticizing anybody, but there are so many different types of fans, you know, um, you know, Jeff and I have been fans since, you know, we really started following the Browns, you know, in the, you know, like the very late 1970s. Okay. So, so we saw some winning in the 80s, and right. then we've seen all of this losing. So, you know, so it's different for us than people who started following the team in 1999 and have seen nothing but losing. And then that one playoff game, you know, or, well, I, you know, I guess there's been, what, two playoff games, but still, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's everybody has a different perspective. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I don't think, you know, I'm there yet. I would be a lot, I would be really disappointed if, you know, things don't continue, if don't, sorry, if things don't start going our way. Um, I think that's when I've kind of be like, man, are we ever going to be able to, but I do truly think that we're getting it going. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so cool. Well, thanks for sharing your story, Nico. And let's, uh, let's talk about a little bit of Brown's news, um, very little. There's um, mm-hmm. <laughs> not much happening. I guess this is the what they call the, the dead period of the football season. It <laughs> yep. seems like there, there's <laughs> always something going on, but, man, it is pretty darn sparse right now, guys. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I was looking at stories, things to talk about, and the first thing that came up was, was, would the Browns have interest in this wide receiver in the supplemental draft? And I'm thinking, oh, probably not. Yeah, I've seen that, too. Uh, yeah, this guy, um, this this uh, Milton Wright out of uh, Purdue, who had some issues and was, I guess he was dismissed from the program, but he he had like a thousand yards receiving. Um, I think he's got some good size. He's like six three, two hundred. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't see the Browns doing something, anything like that. Do you guys? No, I don't. Honestly. Honestly, I don't even know when the supplemental draft is. I believe it's in July. Yeah, July 11th. Yeah. I mean, it kind of all depends on if they need to. I don't really think they need to fill any more receiver spots, personally. Um, I mean, if they get a a higher pick, if they bid on a higher pick, then I could see them maybe going defensive tackle for a guy that can maybe try out during camp or something. But I don't see him doing anything crazy. 
Yeah, as of right now, I think Milton Wright's the only player in the supplemental draft. I don't know if any other guys have entered yet or are going to be in it. And this is how it usually is. There hasn't been a supplemental draft in what um, I'm trying to remember. It's been like three years. Yeah, I think you're. I think it was 2019. Yeah. So so yeah. Um, so Rod, it's been so long since we even had a supplemental draft. I'm not sure that I remember how that actually works. I mean. Doesn't if you take a player in the supplemental, doesn't mean that mean you surrender your pick in the next draft? I'm pretty I be- sure I've seen that. I believe we don't have so. the first round pick in the next draft. Well, yeah, but I, I think what they do is kind of go through, don't they go through rounds in the supplemental draft? And, and the first team that takes them has to give up a pick, so you know, so he might not go until um. I'm probably sounding stupid here because I'm probably saying it wrong because it hasn't happened in three years. But, right. you know, he somebody may not be willing to take him until, you know, round three or something like that is is the way I'm okay. remembering it. OK, OK. In which yeah. case, they, I think they would give up a third, you know, or something like that next next. Season. So so we're questioning whether a guy that we could potentially get with our third round pick is going to beat out one of the three third round picks we already have on our roster. Yeah. 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 And, and um, I mean, this guy played, you know, he, he played at Purdue. So he, you know, he played with, uh, with David Bell and, and, you know, and um, I think over the course of three seasons, he had a thousand yards. Right. Um, So I think he has some skills, but he's also had some issues. Um, I would be surprised if the Browns go there. I just would. I, I think they've got, I think they've got some guys on the roster. Yeah, um, I'm pretty confident with that wide receiver room. I think so. I th- we've said the same thing on the show many times, Nico. Um, so far, so um, I mean, you know, I guess you can never have too much depth, but I don't know who a guy like that beats out to make the team. Hundred percent. Um, I just don't see a spot for him. Yeah. I think the rear receiver room has a lot of depth as it is. I mean, there's, I think there might be a couple jobs that might get taken from guys last year, like Anthony Schwartz. I don't think he's going to make the roster. He's, I think he's declined from when we drafted him because he had a okay rookie year. Don't get me wrong. I think he played all right as a rookie, but last two seasons have been treacherous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's definitely a bubble guy, and I think we're going to talk about some of that stuff a little bit later here, too. So, um, there was an article about, you know, Kareem Hunt might be, might be interest for him in Washington, and then, you know, and then all the other guys come up, Clowney and JJ3. Um, you know, my first thought, you know, I was going to ask, you know, are you guys surprised these guys haven't signed yet? But my, you know, I think it's more a matter of don't the Browns look pretty smart for for letting these guys go and not pursuing them because nobody else has gone after them either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if the Browns are smart. I, I mean, it, it, this is part of how the offseason evolves, I think, with some of these veteran guys. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, you know, they don't really want to go through camps or all, all these, you know, mini camps and so forth. Um, they just want to be ready to go when the season starts. So they tend to enjoy their free agency and, and you know, ride it out until the last minute and see where they land. So I think there's a certain amount of that that, you know, especially with somebody like Clowney, who has a history of doing that. Um are they, you know, are they not desirable players because they're not signed yet? No, I think there's a lot of desirable players still out there in free agency. I think just, the teams mm-hmm. just have to see how their salary cap situation shakes out, uh, what kind of injuries they experience in, in camp, um, you know, where their needs really are. Um, and, and the dust will settle on most of those guys. Yeah, I, mean, I go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all good. Um, I will say one dude I'm surprised hasn't been picked up is John Johnson because I heard a lot of news about him going to the Chargers with Jeff Howard, our old uh, DB's coach. But he's probably the only one clowny. And like Jeff said, th- these guys don't like to – most of those guys don't want to go through camps. 
They just want to be ready, like you said, when the season starts. Because they're veterans, okay? They know how to play the game. So it's kind of just, you know, install, which they can do during training camp and regular practice. But Kareem Hunt's an interesting one, I feel like, because, you know, he definitely has lost his step after he got hurt a couple times, which is unfortunate because he was a great player when he was healthy. But guys like, I'm blanking here, Clowney, I just, I think that it might be a while until he gets signed. Yeah, I would kind of be surprised if all three of these guys aren't on teams, you know, at, um, by, the, by the first game of the season. Let's put it that way. I would think all three of these guys will be. I, 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 think, some, I think Kareem Hunt, if he's not with Washington, I think he'll be with somebody. Because, I mean, there are some decent backs out there, but I think Kareem Hunt is probably pretty close to the top of the list. Yeah, I would I still that. think that. Um yeah, he's. I'm still having trouble deciding how much he's really lost. I I definitely think he's lost something, but I don't know how much it is. Um, so he signs with another team. I think we'll find out because I think they're going to probably utilize him more than what the Browns did last season, or or it's possible that they will. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. Right, just real quick on uh, JJ three. Um, yeah. Looking at the the uh, free agent safeties, mm-hmm. um, there were 67 free agent safeties this offseason, and only 37 are signed so far. So, wow. I mean, you could you could put JJ three near the top of of the list of available free agent safeties, and he's still young or younger yeah. than yeah. most of the other guys. Um, but man, there's there's still an awful lot of talented guys that aren't signed, so doesn't really necessarily mean a lot at this point. Yeah, 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 you make a good point. It'll definitely be definitely be interesting to see, you know, guys that kicked up uh, prior to like training camp and stuff like that, because I think there will be a bit another influx of like teams or players that are picked up here, probably in the next coming weeks once it ramps up again. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, the you know salary cap is kind of all settled in and everything. Teams know what they have. Players know what's available out there as far as what they can get, pretty much. So, um, so yeah, if they want to play, they're going to have to they're going to have to figure something out. You know, they're going to have to start listening to teams' offers and that. So, so, um, so yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, Clowney's a guy that you know, no matter how often he you know, acts like a bonehead. Um, <laughs> people are going to bank on his talent and, you know, right. probably give him a shot somewhere. Um, it's hard to give up on a first overall pick. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I mean, he, he did have a good season for the Browns, you know, um, not so much last, last season, but the season before. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, and, and we know he plays the run well. He can, he can pressure the quarterback, you know, somewhat, but, uh, but man, he he's still he's still living off that one play in college a little bit. <laughs> Is there ever a guy who who made so much money off one play? Doubt it. Highly doubt. I just don't know. I mean, and, and that play was incredible. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, I, he would not have been a first overall pick without making that play. No. No chance. <laughs> So, guys, I was looking at some odds, and I just thought we'd kind of um, just kind of run this by you and, and get some thoughts on these. Um, you know, Browns odds to win the division, Browns odds to win the, the we'll just call it the title, um, and then some odds for the other teams in the in the division. So, the Browns odds to win the the division is uh, is plus three seventy five. So, I'm I'm not I'm not somebody who bets. So this is essentially you bet a hundred dollars to win three hundred and seventy-five dollars. So um, I know everybody who's listening to the podcast already knows that, but I thought I'd say it anyway. So because um, <laughs> everybody bets sports now, but um, so just just kind of wanted to get your get your thoughts on that. But I'll give the odds for the other teams first. The Bengals are 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 at one twenty, so everybody's pretty much handing them the division. Um, <laughs> uh, Ravens at 240 and the Steelers at uh, um, depends where you bet it's either five or six hundred. Mm. So uh, 
thoughts on those odds? You guys are ready to bet on the Browns to win the division <laughs> at, the, at those odds, or or do you think those are fair odds for those four teams? I think they're blowing the Ravens up a little bit too much. I don't think the Ravens really improved at wide receiver at all. I don't really think Odell's the answer, and I don't really think uh, Jordan or not Jordan Edison, uh, Zay Flowers is either. So I don't know if I'm going with the Ravens that high, but Cincinnati, you know, they made the AFC Championship last year, the Super Bowl. They were in it the year before. You got to put them high. They're a good football team. There's no other way to put it. I think the Browns play better than them when we play them, but hey, it is what it is. Steelers, I'm not too worried about them game-wise, but I think that's might be okay. Yeah, what do you think, Jeff? Yes, yeah, uh, spot on. I mean, the, the, the Ravens are probably given a little bit too much credit. Um, I think the Steelers probably not enough credit just based on history. Um, you know, obviously, if you're going to bet, it's going to be based on what teams have done in recent seasons. You know, it's not mm-hmm. based on looking at what players they've signed and you know what their roster looks like on paper. It's what has this team accomplished as a unit um, in recent history. And the, the Bengals have done well. So you, you've got to make them the leaders at this point. Um, but I think between the Browns and the Ravens, I think that that gap has closed pretty significantly in the offseason. And um, I would give either one of them a chance to you know, challenge the Bengals. I don't like the way our schedule sets up. I mean, we've talked about this many times, Rod, that, you know, we mm-hmm. really have to get out of the gate fast. And that's that's hard with a, a whole new cast of characters and, you know, the, the quarterback situation and so forth. So um, taking that out of the equation, if you're just looking at the, you know, the, the rosters and, and you know, uh, the talent levels, I think, you know, we have every reason to believe that we're a better football team than the Ravens are right now. Um, and could probably beat the Bengals most games. Um, I'm not gonna yeah. say every game, but you know, if if we're playing ten times, I think we're gonna win six or seven of them. Just again, based on recent history, we seem to match up really well with them. So, yeah, none of that really factors in though to winning the division. What matters in winning yeah. divisions is winning your division games, right? And then and that's where I'm I'm a little worried about our schedule. I agree with that. Yeah. I think that we got really kind of unfortunate with the beginning of our schedule. I mean, yeah. we're playing we're playing Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and then I is Baltimore. Well, we week Baltimore. four. Week, 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 week four. Yeah. yeah, week four. You got three games in four weeks. That's yeah. tough because you're yeah. you're at home against yeah. Cincinnati, and you're away for Pittsburgh, and then you're home again. So I will say. It's good that we got the home field advantage. You know, if we can come out of that four game stretch three and one or two and two, I'd be I'd be happy. They're tough games. Cincinnati's great. Baltimore solid. I'm okay with Tennessee, but divisional games are divisional games. So it's kind of just whoever can win. You know, it's a throw, it's a toss up, and that's what makes me worried. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a tough beginning to the season. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at the Ravens, I mean. Here's the thing. They tried to improve their receiver room. That just puzzles me. Um, you know, they put a lot of energy into and money into improving the receiver room. It's like, and I'll never, I won't understand it because I don't think they know who they are by doing that. Um, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, if, if I was to, to uh, put these odds out, um, and I know they probably need to add up to a certain number here. Um, <laughs> um, you know, so that comes out right. But, uh, you know, I would, I have a hard time putting the Bengals at, at 120. I mean, that that's saying what, that they have a, that they have, um, what, probably an 80% chance of winning the division, the way I read that, if I'm, if I'm thinking right. Um, you know, I would think that, that that number should be slightly higher than 120. You know, um, Ravens should probably be a little higher than 240. Browns should probably be a little lower than 375. And Steelers, you know, yeah, put, put them at four or 500, you know, something like that. That's how I would handicap it. But, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not paid to do that. Right. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, there, there's guys in Vegas that make a lot of money for setting those odds, and they do a good job of it. And um, yeah, or they lose their job, I suppose. So. Right. <laughs> Just like anybody else. Yeah. So so let's look at the uh, the Super Bowl odds. Um, th- and this is to win, not to go. The odds to, to win the Super Bowl. Um, the Browns are plus 3,000. So uh, so if you guys have 100 bucks, you know, you want to lay down on the Browns to win the Super Bowl, you can win three grand. You know, and I was looking at that, I'm thinking, man, you know, they're not giving the Browns much respect. And then, and then I pulled up the odds for every team to win the Super Bowl. And the Browns at, at plus 3,000, they're tied for 11th. You know, in as far as the best odds, uh, or as far as mm. the best line, um, they're tied with mm-hmm. the Chargers, Saints, and Seahawks at at plus three thousand. So, you know, um, that's um, what you know, almost uh, top third of the league. Um, that that's some respect. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I really don't have a problem when I looked at it that way, because I, I would have a hard time putting them above that just because of what they did last season and the history of the team. I can see the Chargers being there. Um, The other two, I think that's pretty generous. Um, And and I think that, you know, that squares with what I saw today um, where PFF is ranking the roster strengths in the Mm -hmm. NFL right now. Mm -hmm. Again, that's before a single snap has taken place, but, um, you know, they're, they're projecting the Browns as a top 10 roster. I would put, you know, the, the yeah. chargers up there as well. Um, I'm not sure that those other two are there yet, but, um, that's all, you know, that's all trending in the right direction for us. Like I said, it, it, we still have to go out and play actual games though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So this is what I thought was interesting, guys. Um, you know, I gave you the odds for winning the division. So these are the these are the um, the over under numbers for wins in the division. If you're going to bet the over under for wins in the division, I don't know if any of you guys saw this, but here are the over under numbers: Cincinnati, eleven point five; Baltimore. 8.5. Cleveland, 8.5. Yeah. Pittsburgh, 8.5. Really? All three, 8.5. That's your wow. run for all three of them. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's. I think it has to go over on Cincinnati, though. I mean, they're a good, they're a good football. They, I mean, I think they're a good football team. That's just all there is to it. I think Baltimore maybe just I don't know. I don't think I'd even bet on Baltimore because you know Pittsburgh. I think you got to pick over because Mike Tomlin seems to have luck of never losing. <laughs> right, like having a losing season. So. He'll go nine and eight even with yeah. lots of women from the stands dressed in black and gold. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's, it's true. It's it is. True. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. true. Say, I say that with respect for him. You know. Right. Um. They just they find a way. They do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, it's, I mean, the division, the division is going to be tough. I mean, it, it always is. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I would take the Bengals over. Um, I think I would take them under, I think the division's going to be tough on them too. Um, the others, man, it just, this, <laughs> you're right, right. I mean, Pittsburgh is always going to find a way to, to be, Ranked right with the other teams in the division in in win over under because of the stability they have, the system they have in place, the the, the uh, front office and, and coaching structure. That um, man, they can just plug plug parts in and, and find ways to win. That's mm-hmm. that's something we've never really been able to figure out how to do. No matter how great a roster we seem to have, um, that's the component that that keeps us right there too. You know, um, and and the the Ravens, I, I think, have a certain degree of that as well. You know, that that Harbaugh's been there a long time, and and Ozzie built a, a a program that 
you know, just knows how to win, you know? So, um, we, we may, of, of the four teams in our division, we may have the hardest time getting to the over. Well, I guess I hope not, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how things start out. And, um, you know, I, I still like to think that the Browns match up well with these three teams, um, you know, and, and playing these early games, I haven't looked at the schedules for Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh, but I assume that they're playing those same early division games. I mean, obviously they have one against us, but I would like to think that they all have at least two early division games, if not three. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, so that puts everybody in the same boat. They're going to be a little tougher, right? They're non-conference games because the yeah. way the scheduling works, the non-conference games are going to be a little tougher than ours. I mean, it gets a little better team potentially. Um, but yeah, they, they have to beat the same divisional opponents that we do. Right. Um, and yeah, beat each other up. Right. Right. I just looked at the Bengals schedule and it looks like we got a little AFC North showdown week two. Because uh, we're we're at Pittsburgh on I think it's Thursday night. I'm not too sure. And then like Cincinnati Monday. Monday. Yeah. Monday. Monday. And then Cincinnati's at. Let's see here. Baltimore is at Cincinnati one o'clock. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's not surprising. So that's yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah, and and I would imagine that um, I wouldn't be surprised if. If those, you know, if there aren't, if there isn't another division game either week, you know, three, four, or five, two between two of the other teams. Um, you know, if that that's just the way they're setting it up this season, probably. Yeah, um, it'll be it'll definitely be interesting. Yeah, I think the Browns got to get out to a good fast start though. I think you know, week one they they statistically they say Cincinnati starts out a little slow. Week one. Well. So Hopefully that's true. And the Browns are also a little slow week one. They don't, you know, come out firing. But I hope that we could just keep Joe Burrow and that offense and their firepower under control. And we get a lot of firepower, too. On, okay, on offense, we're, we're loaded. We get a lot of guys with talent. Mm-hmm. So week one's going to be a showdown. And week two, it's Pittsburgh. You're going there. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, on the other hand, Pittsburgh's a team you have to beat. You know, if if you're doing, if you're serious about having a great season this year, you better be able to beat the Steelers. You know, that that's just how it's got to be. You know, and I I know they're tough, and I know they play the Browns tough every single game, but um, you know, they're a team that the Browns are going to have to beat. So, so we'll see what happens. Um, very interesting odds, though. Uh, one more, um, if you guys are really feeling Cedric Tillman this year, his, his odds of winning Offensive Rookie of the Year, if you want to put a bet down on him, it's uh, plus 6,000. So, <laughs> hey, that, wow. hey, that's pretty good, though, for a third-round draft pick. Yeah, it is. He's he's It's it's right. I mean, it's um, I can't remember how many guys are above him, but it's not a ton. It's really not. He's like, um, you know, probably top top 15 to top 20 and he yeah and he's a third rounder yeah i mean he was a highly touted guy before he got hurt so it'll be interesting to see him i don't know if he's going to get a ton of playing time this year with the depth that we have with amari people's jones and more and all those guys but it'll be cool to see him out there we'll get to see him too in preseason so we'll see yeah i think the the target share at wide receiver is going to be very interesting to watch because I, I think we know that the top three guys are going to get the majority of the targets. The question is how much do, you know, to do receivers four and five get, you know, is it anything substantial? Um, you know, or, or are they kind of uh, on the roster just to be out there occasionally? It, it, that yeah. will be interesting. Yeah, depends on what happens with the starters, too, right? Well, that too. Yeah, yeah. Assuming that your starters stay healthy, which you hope they do. But yeah, yeah. So Jeff had the idea since it since it is a slow news uh, news week, not just day. Um, 
then maybe we should talk about some some surprise cuts that we see coming. And I don't know, guys. I mean, um, there, you know, I think there there are some cuts that that could happen um, that might not be a surprise that that everybody might be talking about in that. But but true surprises. Um, I don't know how many we can name. So, so, so Jeff, let's let you kick this off because I'm assuming you kind of probably, probably spend a little time on this. You probably have at least a couple names up your sleeve. So let's see yeah, where you want yeah. to start. Maybe, maybe surprise is not the right word, Rod. Um, maybe we should be talking about um, guys who are really in danger of being cut that, in the past would have easily made the team. So mm-hmm. from that perspective, it's kind of surprising that we're cutting guys like that. Um, yeah. You know, but um, I, I don't think anybody would be really surprised if any of these guys got cut that I wrote down. Um, you know, more like surprise bubble guys, the guys that are on the bubble as a surprise because of the strength yeah. of the roster. Yeah. 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 That, that in the past would have, would have easily, you know, because they were draft choices, um, you know, because of their impact um, in past seasons or, you know, whatever that, that, you know, if this wasn't such a strong roster, if we hadn't, you know, added so many other pieces that these guys would easily make the team. And, and, yeah. you know, in, in those years when Nico first started watching the Browns, you know, these guys probably would have been all starters, you know? Uh, so I mean, I, I'm going to start off first of all by saying that that this is the year that the uh, the, 20, the 2021 draft class is is really on the clock. Um, the, the 2020 class, I think, has has already started to to lose its footing, and you know, all all the the guys have shaken out in the 2020 class. Um, you know, kind of the surprising that thing that uh, Harrison Bryant and Jordan Elliott got those those contract um, reworks that that are really guaranteeing them some money this year. Mm-hmm. We probably would have been talking about those two guys being cuts, right? Um, yeah. But uh, so we're, we're giving each of them another year that um, you know more than likely um, will be their last. Um, and then the other guy from that class, um, well, two other guys, actually, um, fifth rounder, uh, Nick Harris. Um, I put him down as number one, most likely guy to be cut, um, you know, with the, the drafting of Luke Whippler um, mm-hmm. and the, the long term deal for Ethan Posick. Um, yeah. There's there's just really no place for Nick Harris on this team. I mean, he just for me. Um, was an undersized guy that had sort of a, a long shot in, in any way. Um, and I just, I, you know, there's a, there's a little over a million bucks in cap savings um, to let him walk. And I, I don't see a way that that doesn't happen. Um, the other guy from 2020 is uh, the third rounder, uh, Jacob Phillips. He's had some really bad injury luck. Um so it's just been really hard to count on him um, season to season. And I think if, if there were plans for him to stick around and get an extension, they probably would have done with him like they did Jordan Elliott and Harrison Bryant. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, to me, that's, that's another 1.1 million that you, you know, you just add to the cap space. Um, I'd be surprised if he's not cut. Um, so the, the three guys in the 21 class, um, I'll start with the the guy that we talked about last week, uh, Demetric Felton, sixth round pick, has never really become a contributor at any position, uh, as much as his value is there for a bunch of positions. Um, he can't seem to beat out anybody at any particular position, so um, I think that experiment's probably over. Um, Tommy Togiai, you know, we've, we've tried to to find defensive tackles in the draft without a heck of a lot of success um, with the addition of uh, Siaki Ika this year. I really don't think Tommy Togiai has a chance of making this team. Um, and then we, you guys already mentioned, uh, or Nick already mentioned Anthony Schwartz. I think, you know, I was rooting for him 
but with all the additions that, that have been made in the wide receiver room. And the I speed. Think, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm a big fan of the speed. Um, I like, you know, I wanted us to take uh, a guy that could, that could take the top off the defense and, and I liked him in the draft and, and I thought he was a good fit for us, you know, but it's just, it just hasn't worked out for him. So, um, you know, I think this is probably going to be it for Anthony Schwartz. So, um, and, and there's a few other guys who are later picks that, um, you know, offensive linemen and stuff that probably aren't going to make the team, but might end up back on a practice squad or something where they've, they've kind of lived anyway. So, but to, for me, those are the five guys that I'm probably going to be expecting the Browns to cut who in the past, I think would have made this roster. Yeah. So, so Nico, I know we sprung this on you. So had, um, what are your thoughts? Anybody you would like to add to that list? Um, I kind of agreed with everybody you said. Uh, Nick Harris was definitely one I was looking looking at. Uh, Togiai as well. I just think that I think he was. You know, I like him because he's from Ohio State, Buckeye. Great. I think that was a cool pick for us, but he just hasn't panned out. Um, I could see if Perry and Winfrey's legal issues keep up. I could. You know, if something else happens or something, you know, goes on with what he had, I think it was dismissed, though. I could see him being a surprise. Um, but pretty much everyone you said, I don't really have anyone else to add. Um, I think this roster's got a lot of great players on it. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything to add there. I think you hit the nail right in the head. Yeah, I, I had Perry on Winfrey written down, but I don't think that would be a huge surprise if they felt like he just you know was still not with the program um and if he doesn't make the team it's going to be because of that right um i you know i think they really would like to get him on board you know and have him be one of those missing pieces you know uh because they need they they need somebody there um you know they need they need a fourth uh, at least a fourth guy there you know, um, so so I think everybody would like to see him make the team. You know, I'd like to see him make the team and, and actually, you know, be there for every game this season, um, you know, not get in trouble and everything. But, you know, if, if he's if he's, you know, if the shenanigans are happening, I think they might get to a point where they say, yeah, that's enough. Um, you know, we don't need this on our team. So so that could happen now, as far as Jacob Phillips. The only question I have there is just, you know, the, the depth at linebacker, um, you know, and if they feel like he has something to offer, they might give him every possible chance. Because um, the Browns still, you know, even with all the guys they have, um, I, I still don't feel like they're overwhelming at linebacker. So, so um, I could see it going either way. But if, if he's healthy and, and plays well, I think they'll keep him around just because, just because they need linebackers, you know. Yeah. Um, couple guys I had written down, and I think they'll both make the team. But there are so many wide receivers on this team, guys. Um, what if somebody surprises in camp, um, you know, and just just one of these guys who's you know sitting at number eight on the depth chart. And, and the Browns decide to keep him. You know, is it possible that Marquise Goodwin or David Bell or somebody like that gets cut? Hmm. I'd, I'd be surprised, um, especially with David Bell. But um, I've seen people, I've seen people talk about that possibility. So um, yeah, I don't, I'm I'm not as concerned about guys that we've taken in the last two drafts, Rod. I, I just, I think this team is committed to developing young players that, that they take in the draft, particularly, you know, in the first few rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that would really surprise me. Um, you know, if they cut bait on any of those guys this, this quickly. Yeah. Um, I think it would know, me too. Yeah. Just going back to the linebackers for a minute. Um, you know, there, there are four guys that have some guaranteed money right now. Um, and, you know, for me, that fifth linebacker spot, which I think is probably as deep as we're going to go, um, really comes down to Jacob Phillips and Tony Fields. Um, if they keep a sixth guy, it's going to be a special teams guy. Um, you know, 
I don't know. Well, Matthew, I mean, Matthew Tony, Adams, Fields right? played, Tony Fields has played a lot of special teams. Right. Adams and and, too, and I so, think yeah. at the end of last season, Tony Fields really made a strong case that he is a very capable depth linebacker in this league. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, so if you're if you're looking at tape and, you know, we've always said your best ability is your availability and, and you're putting him up against Jacob Phillips. For me, that's a pretty easy decision. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you. I just uh, I just I just think that uh, Jacob Phillips, you know, is one of those talent guys, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And everything. True. So so they they may he may be one of those guys that they want to give every chance to. So. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I could see the cut. So he is a guy to definitely have on that list. That could be, that would be a bit of a, of a, I guess of a surprise. So even though yeah. he really just hasn't played a lot. Yeah. Right. You know, so. I think that linebacker room is kind of like a special unit because the Browns didn't really do anything to vastly improve it. I mean, they signed Matthew Adams, who I think is a pretty good signing. He was a good special teamer. So Ventron and them will have a guy they're familiar with, you know, to go out there, do special teams. Mm-hmm. But I've always said this about the linebackers. I said it during free agency. That is a well-coached unit. Coach Tarver. Sure. Coach Tarver. I mean, that dude is a great coach. He's enthusiastic. He's just solid. Knows the game. I was saying that during, you know, many or when we were doing Twitter spaces with a couple other guys during free agency. It's a great run unit. Jim Schwartz prioritizes D-line and linebackers. That's I think they have enough confidence in the unit they had last year to come in this year and play well. So I don't think anybody that was really on the roster last year um, is really going to get cut. Um, I think Phillips is good. Taki Taki's, you know, a lock. Uh, JOK. Kunashik, you know, just had a good one. Jim Schwartz likes him a lot. Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, the main thing there is you're, you're getting Anthony Walker back. He really didn't play yeah, last he's season. One I forgot. And uh, and uh, Taki, I don't think is I don't know if he's going to be available at the beginning of the season, but he missed. I mean, he missed a good. Uh, he missed a portion of last season. Yeah. I don't know if it was half season or you know five six games, whatever. But last yeah, last few games. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right about you know the the coaching abilities in in that group and and the ability to get great games out of guys. We saw saw yeah. that week in and week out where. Each week it was a different guy that, you know, we had really high performance out of, um, you know, it was Tony Fields one week. It was Taki Taki another week. You know, I mean, I feel good about that linebacker room, barring, you know, the opportunity to really significantly upgrade it. And I think you're right, Rod, that, that the biggest upgrade is just getting Anthony Walker back from a leadership perspective yeah. um, after really not playing last year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised, guys. Um, R- Reggie Ragland really played well last season, you know, late yeah. season. And and I know he would probably be number, you know, seven or eight on the depth chart right now. But, man, right. he played really well. And he's – I don't know what happened to him. Um, he's not on the roster any longer. So, um, kind of surprising. I thought that he played well enough to, you know, at, at least be in camp, Yeah, you know. So um, that was kind of kind of a shocker for me. Yeah, and you know Reggie Ragland's like, I feel like he just reminds me a little bit of Jim Schwartz. You know, like just go out there, put his body on the line, doesn't really care. I mean, he played he played good for us last year. I mean, he was making a lot yeah. of tackles, especially in that uh, Saints game. I think he had ten or ten or eleven. Unfortunately, we lost, but he played. He was solid for us. I think that was a good underrated signing for last year. Yeah, definitely. So um. So I'm trying to think. So we talked about Nick Harris. Um, man, there's a ton of bodies in camp on this offensive line. And we talked last week with with uh, with Jack about a little bit about quantity of guys who will make the team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll figure that out a little bit more down the line because you know, I think Jack had uh, 10 guys, 10 offensive linemen, you know, making making the initial roster. Um it feels like a lot, but then you look at the guys on the team and you're like, well, I, of those 10, I don't know who you cut. Right. So 
you know, I, I'm kind of, I was trying to look at this myself and it's like, you know, I kind of got down to, to the five starters, um, you know, your, uh, your backup center, uh, Whipler, um, James Hudson, um, Jones, and, and then probably, uh, um, probably Gosson or Martin and, you know, and then, you know, and then, and then the question is, do you carry another backup guard, you know, if right. Forbes are done, um, you know, and then you're at, that's 10 guys, you know, so, mm-hmm. so where are you, where are you going? I mean, I, I don't see Hudson or Jones not making the team. Right. Um, and you got, you know, you got four or five guys at guard, um, you know, obviously you're going to carry a backup center. So the question is, you know, how many, how many interior alignment do you need? You know, yeah. On your team? I uh, think they're going to keep, sorry for cutting you off if you weren't done, but I think they're going to keep the two swing tackles, of course. So Jones and uh, Hudson, mm-hmm. I think those will be your swing guys. So that's seven, which you're starting five. I think they're going to keep, of course, Whipler because, you know, it's draft pick. They don't usually cut those. And then I think it'll be done is the uh, eight and nine there. And then for the last one, it's kind of a toss-up because it's like, I feel like you want another guy that could kind of play center and guard just in case something crazy happens. You know, two centers go down because that was bad last year with uh, Yalda Froholt. I couldn't stand watching him last year. It was terrible. Um, I could see Dawson Deaton making the roster unless I'm blanking and I'm forgetting somebody obvious here. But it's Dawson Deaton. I, I don't know if he's hurt right now. Or, I, or I, I have I the depth chart pulled up. It, yeah, uh, it shows a. Yeah. So either yeah. either Drew Forbes, Dawson Deaton, Wes Martin, or Colby Gossett. Well, Dawson Deaton, I he's think he's that last guard, but he's played center. So Dawson Deaton, you know, if he's I healthy. I think he's got a good shot if he's healthy and if he plays good in preseason. Gassette's yeah. pretty good, too, though. He's He was with us a couple of years ago, I remember. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, because I heard Wes Martin didn't have a great year last year, so. It's going to be interesting. That's a, that's a, a kind of an interesting battle to watch, for sure. I'm just going to yeah. default back to what I said earlier, Rod, about you know recent draft choices. Um, even though it was a seventh rounder, um, Deaton is you know only in year two, so there's something that they like about him. Well, I mean, you know he he's a center that they've that they have at guard right now, so he could right. obviously play. He could obviously slide back over to center. If sure. they need him to, yeah. And he, he's a, you know, he's got. I'm trying to remember. I think he's got pretty good size too. Um, you know, yeah, big enough to play big. guard. Yeah, I think so. So. Um, he's six five, three oh six. Yep. Yeah, I was gonna say. I thought. He, I thought he was. Um, that's big. That's honestly big for a guard too. Yeah. Yeah. So a, I mean, he's a big offensive lineman, man. Yes. Yeah. So if he could play, you know, those interior, any of those interior spots. Um, yeah, it definitely gives him a like up over some of the other guys, but, but man, I mean, you know, Michael Dunn's been on the team for a while and played pretty well and Drew Forbes, we, you know, he's played a little bit, but we've been waiting on him for like, what, 12 seasons. Yeah. Just about. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he's still only like 27 he's like 26, 27, I think, but it seems like he's been around forever. So I'll be honest with you guys. I really don't have any favorites here. I just, you know, um, I, I just hope they keep the best guys. And 100%. And if they, you know, if they if they feel like they have room to keep 10 guys and develop guys, um, you know, so be it. So be it. I mean, I, I don't know that they that they need to carry, you know, like seven wide receivers, you right. know, versus an ex, versus extra offensive linemen. You know, or or four running backs, you know. Um, so, right. so I guess if you want to carry the guys on offensive line, I, I guess that's what you do. I could see the Browns probably keeping ten offensive line, and I think I had my I did a mock depth chart a couple a couple weeks ago um, for the draft, and I had them keeping ten defensive linemen and ten offensive linemen, mm-hmm. just because that puts you to around twenty. So you got you still got a lot of room. Um, I don't see us keeping a lot of corners this year. I think it'll be five or six that we have every year with the safeties. So it's definitely going to be interesting with the offensive line on who they decide to keep for that final spot. Yeah. And I, I agree with you on defensive line. I think it could be, I think it could be 10. 
So, um, could be the 10 best guys, too. Mm-hmm. I, I won't be surprised if they carry six defensive ends. <laughs> they, they, they honestly could. They could. They could. It they wouldn't could. surprise me because they got guys who can who can slide in and do other things too. So very flexible yeah. on defensive line. I will definitely. say definitely. So okay, guys. Well, uh, let's uh, let's get some closing thoughts here tonight. Unless you guys have anything else that you wanted to uh, to bring up or discuss. I don't really think I have anything other than what do you guys think about, you know, I know it's a little late for this, but you know, the coaching improvements that they made on the, like just both sides of the ball. Do you guys think they improved? Like they have a better coaching staff than they did last year. All just based off experience. Jeff, Jeff, let you go on that. Obviously everybody loves the change of defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it remains to be seen. Um, what that really equates out to right. um, because we're, we're dramatically changing our style of play. Um, if, if you gave last year's coaching staff, this year's talent, would they be able to put together a more stout defense? I think so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's an awful lot of really talented coaches in the NFL. Um, we've had the luxury of having some of the best, um, Bill Callahan, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the change at special teams um, is, is more about um, motivating players and, and, and the, um, uh, what the word I want to use is, you know, the, the, the rah-rah factor, right? Um, mm-hmm. Lighting a fire. Then, yeah. 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 Then, then, yeah. then just really then, you know, then the X's and O's, I think uh, Mike Prefer was a very good special teams coach from an X's and O's perspective um, and very close to the head coach personally. Um, but sometimes you just need to change the voice in the room. And I think that's what they did this off season was they, they changed some of those voices because I think some of the players needed a different voice and it shouldn't be that way with professional athletes. I mean, I think professional athletes versus college athletes should treat it like a job and should, you know, realize that, you know, by not playing to their, the best of their abilities, they're only hurting their own earning potential. You know, this idea that I'm going to, you know, take plays off to get a coach fired because I don't like him is, I, it's something I just can't wrap my head. Self-destructive, yeah. Yeah. So how, why why would you do that? You know. Right. So um, yeah, I, I think the coaching staff should not be an excuse this year. The, right. the level of talent should not be an excuse this year. All three phases have been significantly upgraded from the beginning of last season. Right. For me, the whole wild card with this team and that has always been with this organization is the lack of any sort of winning continuity and and any sort of of, uh, consistency in um, leadership and 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 the messaging so that's why i worry about us playing three divisional opponents in four weeks um, out of the gate because i just don't think those kinds of things happen overnight I think it's been a, a multi-year process for this team to, to get out of that conundrum, that funk, that mess that they've been in since 1999 and figure out how to be a real professional football team. And, you know, I think we're very close to being there at this point. And, and all we need to see is all of those pieces fit together or at least enough of them that, we can be competitive in every single game. And the difference in the NFL is, is tiny. It's, it's a kick here. It's an extra yard there that determines the difference between winning and losing. And that's why teams that have that winning history, like we were talking before the Ravens and the Steelers, even when they don't have a great roster, they figure out how to do it. So for me, that's what this season's all about. 
how fast can we get there and and you know will we be able to get over that hump finally yeah nico i i like the i like the changes um just like jeff i think uh, i think they were probably needed uh just you know just for the voice and you know sometimes uh sometimes people get in a rut um you know whether it's justified or not and and i think that uh you know especially with bubba coming in um you know that rah-rah that's something that the team really hasn't had and and it's something that i think could be good for the team um just hearing that from him and, and from some of the new particularly some of the new defensive players you know just right. a little more talking um a little less a little less i'm going to be quiet and do my job which is fine for some guys but when you have most of your team that's like that you know it might not be the right mix so just kind of changing things around um you know my my concerns i would say are more about how how quickly <laughs> these changes take effect you know and we've talked about this too but you know it is the defense ready those first three games you know based on all the changes and is is deshaun watson ready to go right you know those first three four games um because of how important they are um you know he's watson's look good in practice but but man if he comes out um even the first couple games looking rusty at all um it's yeah it's it's not going to be good i mean it's not gonna be good if the browns start out in a hold because of that because right. there's a good chance that the defense, you know, might still be figuring things out for the first couple of weeks. So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I like the changes. I, I like Schwartz and, um, you know, and the special teams. Yeah, you know, that's that was an easy way. You know, that was an easy thing to blame on somebody. So, right. Um, yeah. They had to change something. So that's an easy swap. Yeah, and I, you know, I thought they brought in a lot of good new position coaches as well, um, especially like DB wise. I thought that we didn't really have great communication, and I think that kind of stemmed from the position coach, you know, not telling them like, guys, we need to communicate better. We need to do this and this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool that we brought in the individual safeties coach with the cornerbacks coach. Um, something I'll notice: I talked to Gary on Conley. I don't know if you guys know him. He played for Fall Ohio State, first round draft pick. Yeah. Um, I talked to him on Zoom a couple about a month ago or a month or two ago, and he said, you know, it's a big thing when you got, you know, a different coach, you know, at each, each position because they all got that headset. So, you know, that coach is going to tell the safeties where, where they need to line up, and then Brandon Lynch will tell the DBs where to go. So I think that will limit some communication, hopefully, or some issues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're hoping it all comes together very, very well and very early. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's going to be an exciting season, I think, no matter what. So, so yeah. So, so let's get those closing thoughts. And Nico, we'll start with you, and everybody can follow you on Twitter at now browns and and um, and I guess it, is it at now browns on uh, on Instagram too, or is it Browns Live? Uh, Instagram is Browns Live. Eventually, I'm going to get to my Twitter, but I'm just going to keep it now Browns for now. Perfect. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I had a great time. I appreciate you guys for having me on. Um, you know, I like talking Browns, so hopefully I'll get invited back. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. And, and, uh, Jeff closing thoughts tonight. Yeah. So, um, we're still about a month away from training camp. Um, I think right now, we're at about 45 players with guaranteed spots on the roster. Um, I have a pretty good idea of who five more of the guys are on the bubbles, which leaves leaves three open roster spots in my mind right now at the start of training camp. Uh, the guys are going to be fighting for. Um, I will say that over the last two or three seasons, it's been a lot easier at this point to say who the first 53 will be. Uh, this season's going to be very tricky picking those last few spots, and we're going to cut some really good players uh, to get down to our first 53. But as I always remind people, don't worry about who the first 53 is. 
worry about who the final 53 are that we go into get week one with. That's right, because uh, those can change. And um, there are going to be some good players, guys. So, uh, so yeah, don't concentrate so much on who we don't keep. <laughs> concentrate on the guys that, that the Browns have and the guys who are here and who are going to play and who are going to put up a put up a uh, very enjoyable and fun season for us. So hopefully, hopefully, yeah, we'll <laughs> throw that qualifier in definitely. So, <laughs> all right. Well, this has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you for listening and we will catch you next time.